Hello, Roy here. I just wanted to let you know that you can listen to The Roy Green Show ad-free on Amazon Music, included with Prime. Crises in Canada's health care, Canada's children's and pediatric hospitals are running short, and many have run short of beds already. So what's driving this crisis, and what options are available? And how long could this be expected to last, and what can parents and caregivers do? I've received quite a few emails to Roy at RoyGreenShow.com from parents saying, what can I do? My child is okay now, but I'm worried. There's also, you'll find on Global News, Canada's Premier's news conference of yesterday, and the Premiers are asking for more money from the federal government for health care costs. Well, I ask myself, how much more money do you need? How much more money do we actually need to pump into health care? Is it a shortage of cash, a shortage of money, or is it just the system that isn't working properly? It's a legitimate question. And how significantly is Canada's health care delivery system spiraling downward? Which patients are most affected and, and how directly? All right, let's talk to uh, Dr. Catherine Smart about all of this. She's the past president of the Canadian Medical Association. She's been on this program on a number of occasions. Dr. Smart, thank you. How are you? I'm well. Good to be back. Good to have you back. Let me just ask this question out of the gate. How stressed, and you and I have talked about this, how stressed is healthcare in Canada today? You know, honestly, Ray, I think it's as stressed as it's ever been. Um, you know, we're just seeing ongoing onslaught of patients seeking care in emergency departments and hospitals that are understaffed and bursting at the seams and attempt to provide care. And now, of course, it's also happening in our children's hospitals, which is new. Um, and we're just seeing immense pressures across the system, huge moral distress for providers. And, of course, uh, they're receiving in patients who are, are struggling to access care, whether it's in the community or in hospitals or in, in their own homes, their home care, everything really feels like it's unraveling. So the question is why? Why is this going on? I mean, I hear constantly a reference to COVID and that COVID was part of our lives for two years. It still is. But it certainly was a more significant part of our lives for two years. Is this directly traceable to COVID or is it a broader issue? No, I think COVID was sort of a stress test and a system that was already cracking, if that makes sense. You know, we've been marching in this direction for a long time. You know, we look at right now the pediatric health care crisis, children's health care in Canada has been underfunded and under-resourced for years, and people in the field have been calling for more more resources to allow us to ebb and flow with different viral surges that always impact children. Um, but, you know, we just haven't seen that, that part of the system resourced. In terms of primary care in the community, family doctors, access to integrated teams, you know, we've been failing there for well over a decade or longer as well, and we've, we've seen that we've struggled to attract physicians into those jobs and retain them, and we've seen declining access for patients. We know we have one of the lowest uh, numbers of hospital beds per capita in the world, um, so of course there's just very little wiggle room in the system. And then when you have something like a global pandemic and all that care that was deferred to in order to care for people with COVID, now we've got these increasing wait lists. And it's really challenging when you just already have limited resources to be able to pivot enough resources to meet the needs of people waiting and all the new people that are coming onto the list. Um, and then I just think, well, you know, working in these conditions has led to so much burnout and moral distress that we've lost a lot of people from the healthcare system. And it's not easy to create new healthcare workers, right? You can't just get an experience 
specialist nurse or physician or respiratory therapist or social worker overnight. Um, and we're seeing that strain across the workforce. So when you put it all together, uh, you get Canadians waiting longer and longer for care, and you get hospitals, emergency departments, and communities that are under immense pressure. Yeah. So uh, will sick people report to hospital ERs this weekend and wait hours and hours to be seen and fail to be fully diagnosed and some sent home with no resolution or even a full understanding of the condition which caused them to go to the hospital in the, in the first instance? Is the system so stressed that this is going to happen repeatedly this weekend? Well, you know, I think it is already happening. You know, we're hearing stories of people dying in waiting rooms, you know, being resuscitated on the floors of hospitals. Um, you know, uh, there's no question. I think that despite the efforts of the people in the system, who I know are doing everything they can to care for the patient in front of them, when you're under this much stress and the waits are that long, there are going to be harms and bad outcomes, and that is already happening. And, you know, and the other challenge, of course, is, is when you do have people coming to emergency departments with chronic issues because they haven't been able to get themselves in the community. You know, the, the, the emergency department's really not set up to manage those issues. And I think that's some of the frustration you hear from folks, understandably, when they've gone in with something and they leave feeling like, well, no one really helped me. And it, it's because, you know, that system isn't really designed for that, um, especially when there's the onslaught of all the really critically and acutely ill people that, that defer attention from folks that are there that absolutely have medical concerns, but maybe not ones that are acutely life-threatening. So I think we're just not, our system right now is just not adequately meeting those access issues for folks um, and I think that's where we're hearing so much frustration from Canadians and you know just recently hearing that right now the healthcare system is the number one concern of Canadians yes, and is. I think rightfully so. Yeah, rightly so. So Dr. Smart, the adult reality we've talked about and it's not a good it's not a good situation. Hundreds of thousands of surgeries delayed or cancelled. Patients not able to get the treatment that they require. But what about the children's reality? What's going on what many people want to know, and there are answers or, or positions or points of view floating around, what is causing the situation, the crisis realities in the children's hospitals and the pediatric centers in this country? Well, we really have two things going on. You know, one is the viral surge that's happening right now that's overwhelming the emergency departments, the ICUs and the wards. And, and that's happening really because we have this, this exponential rise in circulation of respiratory viruses right now, driven at this moment in time primarily by influenza, which has come on early and strong with just a vertical spike in terms of the number of cases and, and a very low number of children who are immunized for flu A. So you can be vaccinated as young as six months old. But right now, fewer than one in four children are vaccinated. So we've got this just huge amount of circulating flu, a lot of vulnerable children, um, and that's causing a lot of visits to hospital and admissions to hospital. And then in addition, we've still got RSV out there, which is a leading cause of hospitalization in young children. There's still COVID, and there's a whole series of other respiratory viruses that are also in the community. And you know what? Because of the public health protections, which were important and good, and we need to continue to be able to leverage public health protections, we do have three cohorts of kids who just didn't get the normal exposure to these viruses because they weren't circulating in the community in the way they typically do. So, so we don't have that sort of population immunity. So, you know, what we're kind of, how we're describing is it's like three cohorts of kids all started going to daycare at the same time and they're all getting sick simultaneously. So that's really driving that, that volume. And of course, because we've dropped public health protections and we're just not really seeing a willingness of Canadians to mask or necessarily choose to be vaccinated 
with the flu or get their COVID boosters, that's also contributing to the high circulation of infectious disease and lots of sick kids. Uh, and then the other piece to the puzzle is, you know, children are already waiting a very long time for services even before this surge. People might be surprised to know that children actually wait longer than adults for surgery, diagnostic, imaging, mental health supports. And now, of course, all of these resources are having to be pivoted to meet the demand of kids who are acutely ill, which is only increasing the wait times and access to care for kids needing other services. So it's really putting a huge strain both on children's hospitals and community hospitals. Um, And there's many children who are not able to access care for other really important health issues as well. So the whole thing is is really creating a, a crisis and a lot of stress on the providers who are trying to care for kids. Yeah. And then there's the issue of the medications, the lack of availability of medications that many of the kids require. Is there a timeline that we're looking at here? Then is the flu season, once the flu season runs its course, then the situation will level off somewhat? Is that an expectation or a realistic expectation? Yeah, at some point things will level off, but I think it's important for people to know they can be a part of making that happen sooner by being vaccinated for the flu, getting their COVID booster or their primary series if they haven't done so, masking in indoor settings, staying home when sick. All those things will help blunt the spread of these respiratory viruses. Absolutely, they're seasonal viruses. You know, and eventually they're going to kind of taper off. The peak will come and things will slowly sort of improve. But we can do that a lot quicker and we can have a lot fewer people get sick if we take some of those basic basic public health measures in the meantime. Let's get back to our uh, overall health care system. Is the downward spiral continuing, and do you see it continuing for some period of time? And then part B to that, the premiers are asking the federal government for more money, $28 billion. Is more money the answer? Is it part of the answer? Is the answer really just better distribution, better delivery of health care? Is it a combination of all of those? Yeah, it's such an important question. You know, I think the downward spiral is going to continue here for some time until we see a clear plan and action on some of the items that we're putting forward as solutions and a commitment to actually doing something differently. So I think that's important. You know, I I think it's really frustrating the dialogue right now between the provincial and the federal government, you know, having the premiers all come out just asking for more money when several of those provinces are sitting on a surplus. We've heard no articulation from the premiers what they're planning to do with the extra money, you know, complete pushback against the idea of any coordinated data strategy or accountability I mean, I I think as a Canadian, and I think a lot of Canadians probably feel very frustrated by this. You know, we don't want people playing politics. We want solutions. Patients have asked for politicians to prioritize health. I think what they want to see is everyone coming to the table together to solve what is a complex problem and to get past the finger pointing and, and these sort of conversations where they're like, oh, just do it this, do that. Well, what are you actually going to do, right? And, you know, at the CMA, we've advanced many solutions as of many of our partner organizations. Um, and what we want to see is people coming to the table with all of us as stakeholders across the health professions, a commitment from all levels of government to say, yes, let's pick three to five things. Let's actually take some action. We spend a lot of money on healthcare already. We are not seeing the outcomes we should be getting for our, for the month. No, we're spend. not. Could we invest more? For sure. But without a clear plan about what those dollars are going to accomplish, I worry we just end up with more of the same. Yeah. Uh, I've spoken to you, and I've spoken to other and previous presidents of the Canadian Medical Association, and each one has said essentially the same thing. The politicians, at some point, when push comes to shove, they don't listen to the CMA. It becomes a political 
I don't want to call it a game, but it becomes a political reality. Healthcare becomes a political reality, and that is ultimately going to be to the detriment of the patients and to the detriment of doctors and healthcare workers. Do I have that correctly? No, absolutely, and that's what's happening right now. You know, we're, we're having this sort of back and forth about who's going to pay, but where's the plan? What are you going to actually do? Um, and so I think the conversation is sort of backwards at the moment, and I, I think it's becoming increasingly frustrating as Canadians see the healthcare system deteriorating and providers see, you know, are more and more limited in their ability to meet the needs of patients. And what we want is we want to be action and solution orientated, and those ideas are there, uh, but we need politicians to get past the talking points and come to the table to commit to actually moving forward with transforming our healthcare system and modernizing it for the times in which we live. Yeah. Have about 30 seconds, Dr. Smart. What's the advice to the, to the person who's not well, just, just really not feeling well, knows something is wrong, has gone to the hospital, hasn't received a satisfactory response, has been sent home with an undiagnosed situation? What's the advice to the patient? Well, I think follow up, you know, medicine, patient symptoms evolve, people change. If you've been seen and things have gotten worse or you're not getting better, then you need to be reassessed. And many problems, you know, on the first or second look don't always get the right answer, but eventually do. Um, So I think if you're someone sitting at home and you're worried about your health, absolutely seek care, whether from your primary care provider, if you have one over a virtual care service, or if you're really unwell, absolutely go to the hospital. That's why it's there. If you want to hear more, Subscribe to The Roy Green Show on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, or wherever you find your favorites. And if you like what you hear, leave us a review and tell a friend. I'm Roy Green. Have a great weekend.